Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. Welcome to Adventure Church. If this is your first time with us, my name's Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here. We're a brand new church coming to this area. And so we're glad that you are here today. Uh, Over the past few weeks, we've been in a series called Adventure HD, which is a highly defined look at who we are as a church. And so trying to give you a flavor of who we are, but also trying to give you an idea of who we want to be. Because some of these values that we have, values are what guide any organization. So our vision statement is to help people discover the life that God created them to live. Because everyone who still has breath is living. But if you aren't living in the plan and the purposes that God has for your life, you aren't living really where God wants you to be. And so we believe to truly be fulfilled that you need to find that purpose, that you need to align your values to God's values and his plan for your life. But that's our vision. And then these values we've been talking about, the first week we talked about action, that that it's one thing just to have a vision statement, but a vision without action is just a dream. And so to make a vision become reality, it takes people getting behind that vision, driving it, moving it forward. It's not just a pastor. It's not just the staff of our church, but it's the people of our church that are living out these values, not just on a Sunday morning, but every day of your life as you are in the community and engaging people, that action and, and living out the faith that you have as a part of your life. Last week, we talked about commitment and that we can't just be people who expect to come to, to church and to be served, that, that following Christ actually requires quite a bit of sacrifice, and the Bible is very clear about that. And so we have to move beyond just being a benefit believer or a convenient or comfy Christian into a place where we go all in with God and say, God, look, if I'm truly going to follow you, I'm going to give everything to you. And when we do that, it's an awesome, powerful thing because God begins to use our life and we really become fulfilled. So through our sacrifice, we actually find more fulfillment and more value in what we're bringing to the world and to God's kingdom. And so this week, we're going to be talking about the value of community. And to, to how to have a church that's, that's full of people who love each other, who care for one another, that it's a community of people, it's not just a crowd of people. And so I don't know about you, but I love a lot of things, okay? First of all, I love chocolate ice cream-filled donuts from Tim Hortons. Can I get an amen? Anyone else? Oh my gosh, like that's my kryptonite, like every time I drive by, and and I don't know why they did this, but right in front of my gym at Urban Active, or it's now LA Fitness, there's a Tim Hortons right in front of the gym, so I literally will be on a treadmill staring at Tim Hortons going, I'll run 30 more minutes because I'm going to stop and get a chocolate-filled cream donut, because they're just that type of thing to me, I love those things, I love Diet Coke, I don't know why I love Diet Coke so much, but I love it. And it's like, I, I don't buy it because if it's in my house, I just drink it all. My wife says that aspartame or whatever that is is going is to give me cancer and give me Alzheimer's. My dad said before, he goes, well, if you die of cancer and you have Alzheimer's, at least you won't know that you have cancer and that you're dying. Uh, but I love that. I love Chipotle. Give me a good burrito bowl with some uh, chicken on there, some brown rice now so it's a little bit healthier. Pour the sour cream and cheese on that. I love a good burrito bowl from Chipotle. I love college football. I love it. Like, I'm sitting there yesterday, college football live comes on. It's like it's getting close to where now it's starting to to pop up on SportsCenter that they're talking about it. Being back in Columbus where the Ohio State University, I love that. And one other thing I love so much is church. I love church. I love the local church. Bill Hybels is a pastor in Chicago. He has a a multi-mega church, and he says that the church is the hope of the world. That the message that we have is greater than any other organization in the world. That Jesus came, that he lived, that he died 
that we can have salvation in him, we can have the promise of eternity through him, that we can live a life that's fulfilled with purpose and meaning on this side of heaven and this side of eternity. And so I love the local church. I love it so much that I've given my entire life to it. Everything that I do outside of my family is is for the local church. I've had opportunities to do other things in ministry, and, and there's pastors that travel and they speak, and there's evangelists that travel the world, and I never want to do that. There's opportunities to move up in the network that we're playing in to do those things, and I I tell our team all the time, I have no ambition to do that. I love the local church. I love what it means. I love what it can do. I love the power that it can bring to a community, and I love that that, that we have an opportunity here to start a church that can be a life-giving church in a community that desperately needs life. There's thousands of people. As you know, this is the the most popular area in the state of Ohio. It's the fastest growing area in the state, one of the fastest growing areas in the nation. And because of that, it's quickly becoming the most unchurched area in our state. And so you may go, well, there's, there's, I know lots of churches. I, drive, I drove by three churches on my way here today. Well, let's see how many people are at those churches, right? That's one thing. And then you take the number of people and the number of churches. I guarantee you there's no way that, that this community has enough churches to hold all the people if we were to reach all of them. And that is our goal. God said that his will is that no one should perish. And so I love the local church. And so when I think about the church and what I want our church to look like, we should always go to Scripture. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it's a picture of the church. Let me give you a little bit of background before we get that. First of all, Jesus had come. His ministry was complete. He went to the cross. He died. He rose from the dead. He came back. He was hanging with the disciples. And he ascends to heaven. And he tells them to wait that he's going to send the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit's going to empower them to do what he needs them to do. So he sends the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the witnesses that God wanted them to be. And so Peter, one of the apostles, Jesus said that he was going to, he was going to be the foundation of the church that he was going to build it on. So the very first sermon that's preached after Jesus is gone, Jesus, uh, Peter comes out, he preaches to the crowd, and 3,000 people give their life to Christ, right? That's a pretty good day, right? If, if we launch on September 15th and 3,000 people show up here uh, and, and they all get saved, it, it's going to be an amazing thing that happens. And so this is pretty huge. I, I don't know that there's ever been a first service. There's been no church in history yet, and this is what happens. And so that's the church. These 3,000 people say, hey, I want to follow Jesus, and that is the first church that happens the book of acts the acts of the apostles and so we find this that once these people get saved this is what the scripture says it should be on the screen here it says verse 42 all look at your neighbor and say all what's all mean in the greek and the hebrew it means all it means everyone so everyone all the believers these three thousand people devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to fellowship and to sharing in meals including the lord's supper and to prayer A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all, again, all the believers met together in one place, right, in in a place like this, and they shared everything that they had. They sold property, their possessions, and they shared the money with those who were in need. They worshipped together each day at the temple. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And in each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That is an awesome picture of what true, authentic community should look like in the body of Christ. Now, is it like that now? I would say no. Is our church like that now? I would say no. But I would say this is a goal that we should shoot for to attain, to say, you know what, we want this type of community 
at our church. We want it to be kind of like, you remember the, the Leave it to Beaver show, right? Like everything's real nice and pristine. Or did you ever see that movie Pleasantville where it's just like these, these communities, right? Like that's kind of what's happening here. Like it's ideal that, man, people, that were, they were cared for one another. They were sharing their possessions. When someone had a need, someone would meet it. They would eat with one another. This was the ideal community. And we can learn some things from this passage about what community like this requires from the people who are living in that community. So for us as a church to have this type of community, there's going to be some things that it's going to require from us. And the first thing, I like to make things easy, by the way. So like every point today starts with the letter C. That, and so that's not because I'm, I'm super creative. What, what it's proven facts is that it will help you to remember this, okay? And so that's why uh, these words are this way. But the first one is commitment. And you're going to go, hey, 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 Kyle, look. Dude, you spent a lot of time on commitment last week, the whole all-in thing. You know, I was really convicted. Uh, I know I've been a benefit believer. You know, I've been a comfy Christian. Hey, I'm all in. And I'm not going to rehash all of that. But there's some things that we learn here, what they actually committed to. So what does that commitment require besides just showing up? There were some areas that these guys committed to. Or another word we could use is devotion. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. So the first thing that we have to devote ourselves to, if we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to have this type of community we want, is teaching. We all need a healthy diet of God's word and instruction in our life. The apostles were teaching these believers what it meant to follow God. That's why you come to church on a Sunday morning. That's why we have an opportunity for you to hear God's word. This is very intentional because we all need that. And I need that. I am by far the perfect perfect at all, and if you want to question that at all, you can ask my wife and, and my family that, that I need teaching in my life. I need instruction in my life. So I was just talking before service about when I'm at the gym and when I have opportunities in my car, when I am alone, away from my kids, that I listen to podcasts all the time of other preachers. It's, uh, we had uh, our, our sister-in-law, my sister-in-law's came over the night for dinner, and I was watching uh, a pastor on TV. I have a DVR. I record sermons on TV, and I watch them because I need that. I need instruction. I need someone to challenge me to be a better Christian, to be a better father, to be a better husband, to do what God wants me to do in my life. So we need a healthy diet of God's word. So they devoted themselves to that. They also devoted themselves to worship. And, and worship is a key part of our service. We just spent time on it this morning, singing songs. And what that does is it brings the focus off of us. All the needs that you brought into this place, all the stress, the worry, the things that you got going on in your life, it can easily overwhelm us. It can overwhelm our thoughts to where all we think about is me, what I got to get done, what I need, what my family has going on, all this stuff. And when we worship and we take the focus off of us and we put it on God and we sing songs that magnify him, that bring glory to him, that put him at a high place of pride in our life. So they devoted themselves to that. They also devoted themselves to fellowship. What is that? That's just hanging out with other Christians. Hanging out with other people who believe like you, who are going to challenge you to be a better person, to challenge you to be a better Christ follower. And that's why we have coffee. That's why, thankfully, we have an awesome facility that we get to meet in that has places for you to hang out and connect. I would encourage you to fellowship with one another. Eventually, we're going to have life groups at our church where we will break into small groups as a biblical model that we see here where they just didn't meet in the temple at church together, but they also met in homes where we will meet in homes and give you opportunity to grow in your relationship with one another. So they were hanging out with other believers. And the last thing they devoted themselves to was to prayer. And what is that? That's hanging out with God. So you've got to hang out with other believers, then you've got to hang out with God. You've got to spend time talking to him, developing a relationship 
with him. It takes time to do that. And some of you go, hey, man, this is really new to me. I don't know how to talk to God. You know, what do I do? And, and, and just, I would just encourage you just to say, God, look, I don't really know how to talk to you, but I'm, this is my attempt. And begin to talk and to tell God what's on your mind, to tell him what's on your heart, to give him time to speak back to you. But we need to devote ourselves to those things. That's the type of community that was happening in Acts. And if we are going to be the community that God wants us to be as a church, that we need to devote ourselves to the same thing, teaching, worship, fellowship, and prayer. The next C that they had that, that this community would require of us if we're going to have it was consistency. Was consistency. Consistency, if you think about it, in every, any area of your life is the key to growth, right? If you're going to grow in any area, whether it's, it's your your profession that you're in, if it's your workplace, if it's uh, developing relationships within your family, it takes time. It takes being consistent, and especially in our spiritual journey with Christ and our relationships with one another. If you're going to grow in relationship with someone, it takes consistency. They met together daily, right? Daily they got together. Now look, I know we don't have an opportunity to gather daily uh, as a church, but and right now it's just twice a month. But what it's going to take for this community to develop, to get the momentum that we need moving into our launch in the fall, is it takes everyone being consistent in the life of our church, showing up, being involved, serving, getting plugged in. Hebrews 10.25 tells us this. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, Sunday services for us and this experience that we put should be a refueling spot for you, that where you can come in, you can gather with other believers. I don't know about you, but it always encourages me when I leave here that, that it, I, I hate that it's two weeks apart. I can't wait till it's every week and that we can spend time together, that, that we can be encouraged, that we can grow in our relationships and get the energy and the fuel that we need to live the life that God wants us to live. And so right now, we are asking you to be consistent in this community. If this community is going to grow, if you're going to get to know each other better, if you're going to develop relationships with one another the way that Acts models for us, it's going to take us getting together and eventually you committing as well to a life group. You think about going to the gym, right? For a while, I think I may have shared this uh, in one of our core team meetings, but when I, before I got married, I worked out a lot. Then I got married and it kind of slowed down. And then I went to the doctor for one of my checkups, and he kind of told me, like, hey, you really need to get back in the gym. You know, some of these levels, the cholesterol, those kind of things. He's asked me what my diet was, and so I got back in the gym. So Jess and I were actually going to the gym together, and then, uh, then we had kids, right? And, and if, you, if, if you don't have kids yet or if you had, you, they, all, they dramatically change your, your time and where you spend it. And so I stopped working out, and, and so I began to just go, like, every once in a while, like once a week. And, I, and guess what? Guess what happened? I deteriorated in, in, in my shape, and I was not strong anymore. I lost all that, and I saw no change from going once a week, right? Can we all agree if you just go to the gym once a week, if you just diet one meal a week, like it's not really going to change anything. It's consistency. And so I had to make a decision to, to make sure that no matter what my life had going on, that I would make time to go to the gym. And so yesterday, the kids went down for a nap. I had about two hours of free time, and boom, I went to the gym. I ran into a friend there. His wife's about to have a baby in two weeks, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? He was like, yeah, tell me. I said, dude, stay in the gym, man. I was telling him, I'm like, come on a Saturday, come at night, whenever you got to do, make a commitment, and that has been the key for me for growth and, and my physical shape and all of those things is working out. I don't know where you would be without Facebook, but I would be very disconnected from people if it wasn't for Facebook, right? Like, Facebook has dramatically changed 
the way that we connect with people. Would you agree with that? Isn't that crazy? Would you think about like people that, that you, depending on how long you've been out of high school, that you can reconnect with someone that you hadn't seen in like 15, 20, 30 years and be like, I remember you from high school. Like, I can't believe. And, and now you can look at pictures of their family, of their grandkids, of what's going on in their life. And, and you can actually feel like you have a relationship with them. And so Facebook is, is awesome to connect with people in that way. But I will tell you that, that for a community like this, we can't just connect with each other on Facebook. There, you, you have to realize the difference, and I hope you do, from, from connecting with someone through a social network over an, an Internet and, and coming and fellowshipping with people in person. Now, there's lots of churches who offer church online now that you can literally get on the computer and you could watch a live service of, of what's happening there. And you can have it from home. And I think that's a great, awesome tool for people who can't get to a church on a Sunday. There's people today who text me that couldn't be here because of a kid who was sick or something would have gone. And it'd be awesome for them to get online. But that can't be the only way that we connect, that we have to, if we're going to become the community that God wants us to be, we can't just be a Facebook church. We can't just be a social networking church. We have to be a church that does life with one another, that we spend time with one another. And the only way for any relationship to grow in the type of community that we want is consistent contact. It's consistent. If you just see someone once a month, it's going to be a very surfacey type relationship. Hey, how's it going? How's it? Yeah. What? Tell me again, I know something was going on last month in your family. What was that? Oh, yeah, someone died. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot, right? Like, Like, you can't keep up with people if you're just doing it once a month. We have to stay consistent. The Bible, when God created Adam... Right, he said, he said this, right, he created man, and, and he thought he was going to stop there, and he realized very quick that man would never make it on its own, right? Can we get an amen from the ladies? We know, like, that, that man could be, he said, so he looked at Adam, and God said this, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so it said that he created Eve, he made Eve, not just to be anything but, but it said, actually, if you look at the translation, it said he made a companion for the man. And so that's the type of relationship that we were never created to live life alone. And, and men, we can have the tendency because of our pride, it's the whole, you know, I don't ever stop and ask for directions kind of illustration that men go, hey, I don't need anyone's help. No, no, I got it. I take care of it. And our pride does that. Ladies, they don't have any kind of pride, right? Like they go to the bathroom with one another. Hey, I need to go to the bathroom. Hey, I'll go with you. Come on on. Do you have to go? No, I'll just stand there and wait, right? Like, I don't, I don't understand that at all. If I ever did that, if a guy ever did that, there'd be some serious problems, right? We'd be like, whoa, hey, you got to go to the bathroom? Hey, I'll come with you. That's cool, right? I'll just sit in the stall next to you. We can chat it up, you know? Like, it just, it does, but women do that all the time, right? Women understand, like, hey, they get it. They, they love doing life with one another. And men, we have to make sure that we don't allow pride to ever get in the way of the type of community that God wants. I have accountability in my life where I talk with other guys and other pastors where I'm very open and vulnerable with them and say, here's the issues I'm dealing with. Here's where I'm struggling in my marriage. Here's where I'm struggling as a dad. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? We need that type of community. Women get it way more than men, but for us to have an authentic community at our church, we need everyone to be committed and devoted to these things, but also that we need to be consistent in the life of our church and the things that are going on and in the life of one another. If we're going to grow in this type of community, it takes consistency. So it takes committed, being devoted to being consistent. And the last thing is it takes care. It takes care. Authentic community requires care, or if you want to say it this way, love. It said that they sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those that are in need. Generosity. 
being willing to sacrifice, to give of your time to the community, to help someone. I love the body of Christ when it's functioning the way that it should. When, if you don't, I don't know if all of you know our story, but our daughter Riley, she's two and a half now, she's wild, she's crazy, but she was born with a a rare heart defect called Tetralogy of Fallot, and at five weeks old, she had open heart surgery, and so that was a very challenging time in in our life, obviously, when you have your, it was our first child, and and boom, it's like, we had no idea that she was going to be born with this until she was born, and and it it was a rough time, but one of the awesome things that happened through that is that I literally, for the first time, felt the prayers of people like I never had before. It was this just unique experience. People go, man, how are you getting through this? And I would say, I literally can feel the prayers of people. And thankfully, because of Facebook and social networking and Twitter, because of the different places I had been in ministry and the different states and the different people that I have connected with, there were literally thousands of people praying for my daughter and for us. And I could literally feel those prayers. And people here locally that when we were here were coming around us and our family and our friends were, were helping us and supporting us. And I was like, man, this is a great picture of what community should look like. That these people genuinely care about what I'm going through. Not just what's going on in their life. They care about what's going on in my life. And they showed up in my moment of need and, and, and really pushed us and, and elevated us through that experience to where we could get through it. And I don't know how people make it through life and the difficult things that life will bring because, look, we all know it. We've all been around long enough that life is tough. Life is not easy. It's not going to go smooth, and God doesn't promise us that. He promises he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And if we can get ourselves involved in a community and and committed to a community of people, we will have people that will journey through life together. Life is an adventure. That's what our church is called, Adventure Church. It's adventurous. And any adventure is going to have down times. It's going to have times where you feel like you're climbing the mountain. It's going to have times where you feel like you're on top of the mountain. It's going to have times when you're going down the mountain. And you feel like life is smooth and it's easy going. But there's going to be those difficult times. And if you don't have a community of people who are there to care for you and to love you through those times, I don't know how people make it without that. And that's really why our church is here, that we want to be a church that people can come into and go, man, those people are going to care about me. I loved, I followed up with someone who came for the first time. They made a commitment to Christ. They hadn't been to church in years. They were raised Catholic. And and, and one of the first things he said, he said, everyone was ridiculously nice to us. He said, it was so cool because everyone was just nice. People seemed like they actually cared about that I was there, that they desired that. And so many churches may not offer that, but I want us to be a church that when something goes wrong in their life, that we're like this church, that the church in Acts, that these people got saved, they committed themselves to the church, and when someone was in need, when someone needed something, the church showed up. And that's how church should be. When someone's in need and they need something, hey, here's the need. Hey, I got you. Hey, I'll pick your kids up. Hey, hey, you need a little help with that? I'll help you with that. You need a meal? I'll help you with that. How awesome if that would be our church. And as we launch our church, we have to make sure that we keep the focus on loving and caring for people. That's what they did. Caring for each other, for those from far from God. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 says this. It says, Paul was saying this to the church in Corinth. He said, if I could speak in all the languages of earth and of angels, but I did not love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and I had such faith that I could move mountains but I did not love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body and I could boast about it but I did not love others, I would have gained nothing. Nothing. 
If we become a huge church that reaches lots of people, but we are not a community of people that care and love for each other, he's saying there, we are nothing. We mean nothing to God. That our crowds, that our numbers, that our finances, all that stuff is a noisy, clanging symbol to God. That's the kind of noise it is. I love grandparents. There's some here of my kids and some that are far away right now in Wisconsin. But the ones in Wisconsin recently bought my daughter a keyboard. I was like, awesome. No, not at all, right? You're like, oh, that's so cool. They love it. So they bought Riley a keyboard, and it's loud, and it has pre-programmed stuff that's really annoying that she can just play, and, and she loves turning it on, and she dances to it, and I'm trying to watch a game, or I'm trying to watch golf, and there's this annoying keyboard in the background. Do any of you have kids that have toys like that, and you just want to pick them up and throw them out your front door, or you hide them? Like, I do that. It's kind of bad. Like, where's my keyboard? I, I don't know. Where is it? It's way up in a closet. You'll never find it. That's, I'd go look for it, you know, like, but because it's so annoying, it's that kind of annoying sound. Or if you have like a, a high-pitched noise, maybe your refrigerator, you know, or the, the, the dishwasher when it comes on, it's just, just this noise that can just drive you insane. And Paul is saying that that's what a church and that's what people are like if they have all of this stuff and yet they do not have love as the foundation that they care and love for one another the way that God wants us to. He says that's the kind of noise that we create that's in God's ear. He says it's a noisy gong or clanging symbol if we do not have love. And So to be the community that God wants us to be, we have to be a church that's caring for one another, that loves one another, that supplies needs for one another, that goes out of our way to make sure that we're taking care of the people who are in our community that we are doing life with. If we have a big crowd with no community, Paul says, we have nothing. And that challenged me this week as I was preparing for this message because as a, as a church planner, you can be pushed because you need people so that you can have resources, so you can do the things that you know that the vision is going to require. And so for us to really have the type of church that we want, it's going to take resources. For us to get the resources we want, it's going to take more people. And so you can be pushed to just say, man, we just need to get people. How can we get people? People in our doors. And you want to do that because we're going to give people an opportunity to respond, to find the life that God created them to live. But I was thinking, it's like, man, what if we had a big church, if, if we grew and we had all these numbers, but we weren't a community of people that really loved and welcomed one another and cared for one another, we don't really have anything. So I'd rather be small with a group of people who really love each other, who want to do life, who are encouraged to serve and to be committed and devoted to what God wants to do in their life, that they're consistent in building the type of community that we want. Jesus himself said in John thirteen thirty five, he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That your love for one another. It didn't say that your stance on abortion. It didn't say that your political affiliation will prove to the world that you are my disciple. It didn't say that the t-shirt that you wear or the, the cross around your neck or, or, or the type of programming you watch. Whatever it is that we often hang our hats on like the social issues, and, and we can go far right, and we can take our stand and go, man, this is what Jesus would want. He wouldn't want these things, and I would agree with you on some of that, but Jesus didn't say that that would be the thing that would prove to the world that we are a follower. What did he say? He said, they will know that you are mine, that you have committed your life to me by the way that you love one another. That challenges me as a pastor to go, man, that 
that when I'm in the community and I'm meeting people, we were at a business expo a couple weeks ago, and, and Powell and Westerville and Dublin all got together, and all these business people, and our church was there and networking with people. And, and I, could, I could be known for a lot of things as a church, but if I don't have love for those people, and if I don't intentionally reach out and share the love of God with them, then we really have nothing, that I'm not proving anything, that the only way to prove who Jesus is is by living out love with them. We're going to have a campaign that you're going to hear about all the time called the One Campaign. And this will be an initiative that we have where we believe, and what I believe can happen is that everyone can reach someone. Everyone can reach someone. Everyone has someone in their life that is far from God, that needs love, that needs a community to belong to, that they're disconnected from church, they're disconnected from God, and they need someone to reach out, to love them, to care for them, and to say, hey, you can belong in our community. And so we're going to challenge you. We're going to have one event where we're going to say, hey, this is the event, but everyone to pick one person for the entire year, one family, one person that you go, man, I know someone who needs a community like this, who needs people who are going to support them, that when life is tough, they're going to have someone there that's going to teach them about God, that's going to teach them about the plan and the purposes that he has for their life. And so we're going to challenge you, and you're going to hear it all the time, that everyone can reach someone, and if you can just reach one person, one family a year, if you focus your effort, your energy, not your whole entire workplace, not your entire neighborhood, one person, one family, and go, you know what, I'm going to be intentional with my life. I'm going to invite them. I'm going to bring them. I'm going to have them over. I'm going to show them. I'm going to prove to them that I'm a disciple by the way that I love them. I'm going to be intentional the way I live my life. And so that's going to be something that's going to be a part of our church. And I believe that hopefully that Adventure Church can become a church that will be known more what it's for than what it's not against, than what it's against. Because too often the church is known for what it's against. We're against that. We're against that. We're against those things. This is everything that we're against. But let's be a church that says, hey, this is what we're for. We're for loving one another. We're for community. We're for being impactful, that doing something positive with your life, that God has a plan for you, that it doesn't matter what your past is, you're welcome here. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you wear, you have a seat here. I've been at churches that have been around for a long time, that literally, that, that someone would come brand new into their church and would sit in a seat that was a, a, a standard spot for an old saint who had been there a long time, and they would literally walk up to the person and go, hey, you're in my seat at church. I'll tell you this right now. These, these are all North Point seats. They're not even ours, right? We lease them. So, so I don't own them. You don't own them. If you come and, and, and already, like, already all of you are sitting in similar spots as you did the, the previous weeks, right? We're, we're naturally like that. But, but when someone comes brand new that's new to our community and they're sitting in your seat, you better let them sit there, okay? That we need to be. But, but that's how people react. That, hey, we're what, hey look what they're wearing. They're going to wear that to church. They're going to do that. I intentionally will wear T-shirts. I'll intentionally wear things that preachers don't wear, you know, within reason, okay? Because I don't want people, oh, well, hey, you know, that's what you should wear if you're involved with the church. No, you should wear what you feel comfortable wearing. If you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. But we don't want to be a church known for those things. Even being casual, even being a church that has coffee, but we want to be known as a church that says, you know what? They love people. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter their history. It doesn't matter where they come from. They love people. And I want our church to be known for what it's for and not what it's against. Now, look, I'm not going to get into that politics side, and I never will. You can have your views. You can take your stance, and that's, that's your prerogative. But God says right here in his word that you should be known. You, they will know you are mine 
by your love, by the way you love people. And love, in 1 Corinthians, if you go on to read that chapter, talks about the description of love, that it's, that it's selfless, that it, it doesn't keep record of wrongs, that it always hopes, that it always forgives. Like, that's the picture of love that we're supposed to have as we welcome people into our community. We're going to close out. The worship team's going to come back up. But the coolest thing about God and about this passage that I love is that the very last verse that it had in Acts, and so it gives this picture of the community and what all these people are doing, that they're sharing their possessions, they're worshiping God, they're meeting together. It's it's this ideal, leave it to beaver community, that people are being genuine and authentic with each other. And the very last verse in there, and it says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The Lord added to their community people who wanted to be along. Do you know what the key is to church growth? is being a community that's like this. Is being a community of people that say, you know what, I care about you. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be devoted. This is the community. I'm doing life with this community. These are my people. If someone's down in my, in, in, in my family, I'm there. If someone needs me in my family, I'm going to be there. And the world who is unchurched and de-churched and not coming anymore, you want to know why? Because most of the churches aren't like this anymore. You want to come to our church? Well, there's some things that you need to do first. And we expect people to behave like a Christian before they ever know Christ. That we want them to behave, then you can belong, and then hopefully you'll believe. But how it works is you go, no, you belong. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how you behave. You belong to our community. We love you just as you are. That's how Jesus was. And then once they belong, then they begin to to learn what it means to behave. I see how they live their life. I see how they do this. Those people genuinely love me. And then once they know that you really care about them, that they love you, that, that, that they're loved and that they belong no matter what, guess what? Then they believe. They go, okay, I can believe in that kind of God. I can believe in a God who accepts me like this for people who treat me just like that. And it said that God was adding to their fellowship, to their church was growing every day. People were saying, hey, sign me up. That church, that community, I'm in, man. Those people are real. They loved me. They reached out to me. They cared about me. It wasn't just about them. It wasn't just about the numbers. It wasn't just about what they could get from me. They genuinely cared about me. And if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take everyone saying, hey, I'm going to be consistent, be committed. I'm going to be intentional about building relationships. You know what? I'm going to live my life in a way by loving people that will prove, hey, I belong to God. I signed up. I committed. So I'm going to love people the way that God loves me. That's how we always have to do it. How do, you, how do you love people the way that God loves you? Just remember how you were when you came to God. Just remember all the baggage and all the junk, and, you, and God welcomed you, and he forgave you, and he said, I don't care about your past. I don't care about the issues that you dealt with. I don't care about what you're dealing with right now. I accept you. I love you. I forgive you. And that's what the church should be known for. That's how we should do it. And if we live that kind of life, I believe that God will add to our fellowship, to our community. Every week, people will come in and go, man, I want to belong. Sign me up. Would you stand with me? As we close out, we're going to sing a song. But before we do that, I just want to give you an opportunity. I don't know where you're at this morning in your relationship with God. The Bible says that all of us fall short of God's standard. And because of that, he sent Christ to die for us and forgive us. And before that, that we can really be who God wants us to be, we have to say, God, I want to be part of your community. I want a relationship with you.
And what that means is, is that you take a moment, you, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus came, that he lived, that he died for you, that you can have forgiveness, that he can have the promise of eternity, that, that the plan and purpose that he has for your life is still within reach for you, no matter of where you're at, no matter of what your age. And if you just say, God, I want to commit to that. I want to commit to, to having a relationship with you. That you can do that. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me? And, and if you're here this morning, I just want to pray with you real quick. A simple prayer that just would invite God into your life. And that's just the first step that it takes. But you just saying, God, the Bible says that salvation is a gift that God gives us, that, that Christ died freely for us. But we have to receive that gift. We have to open it up. We have to make it a part of our life. And so this morning, if that's you, if you're away from God, you're disconnected, and you want to have a relationship with God, would you just simply raise up your hand real quick? I just want to pray with you today. Is there anyone to say, Kyle, that's me. I don't know Jesus the way that I should, and I want to. And I want his love. I want his acceptance. I need it. I need his forgiveness. Is there anyone to say, Kyle, that's me. Would you just pray for me real quick? For the rest of us this morning, this would be my challenge to you. Is look, this is the ideal community. This is what the early church, and if you read on in Acts, the church didn't stay this way for that long. It, it had its challenges, and whenever you put people together, it's going to have challenges. But I believe that we should be committed to this as a church. Say, so you know what? And I want to be a part of a church that's like that, and I want to be the church that's like that. And if for our community to be like this, it's going to take every one of us saying, Kyle, be committed to loving people, committed to living my life, not just for myself, but to help other people, be committed to giving my time and sacrificing of helping those who are in need around me. So as we sing this song today about Jesus, only Jesus, and that's what it's about. That it's about him, it's about his glory, it's about making him famous. Not our church, not our name, not a pastor, not a leader. It's about giving Jesus the position that he deserves and saying, look, this is the God that you want to serve. He'll love you and let me prove to you what his love is like by the way that I will live in front of you. So let's sing the song together as we close out today.